Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. We have a lot of news about Wagner Group today, and, well, in general, everything's been going a bit crazy in Russia lately since the Turgosian coup. First of all, Igor Girkin, our buddy from the show, best frenemy of all times, I mean, he provides such a good content for these episodes, he posted a conspiracy theory today online, which is just great, because I hadn't expected that of him. I mean, his military analysis is usually quite competent and actually kind of good, but then he wears into this bizarro territory where he stumbles upon anti-Semitism and does not even realize that... Uh, yeah, you know, he makes himself and his buddies look even more like Nazis than uh, what he claims to be fighting against. At any rate, he posted the following today. I am forced to seriously consider the version put forward by one of the like-minded people and consisting in the following. Quote, Revolution successful. The powers within the ruling mafia are currently being redistributed as, or close to, as planned by the conspirators behind behind uh, this whole Garson, that's how he calls Prigozhin. The Shoigu Vorobyov Sobyanin Tower has lost some of its positions, although not completely demolished, and part of the, its influence and resources flows into the group of oligarchs of their Ozero Cooperative. Uh, Cooperative Ozero is uh, the Putin's main group. And uh, he names Rottenberg's Kovalchuk's and Co. without mentioning Putin directly, which is an interesting thing. This group, vitally interested in ending the war on any means, and this is in quotes, will not let us win in any case and will lead the president to realize the need to accept defeat and transfer supreme power to a successor, successor nominated from this group. And then he asks Kirienko or maybe Prigozhin himself. But uh, that's, that's not all of this situation. In the coming months, we should expect new campaigns aimed at inoculation, not only of the Russian Federation Ministry of Defense, but also at the demolition of the influence of Patrushev and those parts of the FSB that are not controlled or not completely controlled by the Apeshechka, which is the, well, Prigozhin's group and everything, and the oligarchic groups behind it. In the meantime, they will do everything so that the urgently necessary measures to prepare the army and rear and industry for a long, hard war are not taken or slowed down as much as possible. Up to major defeats at the front caused by a lack of the reserves and the shortage of personnel, military equipment and ammunition. And then these defeats will be the reason for a new blow to the Siloviki in favor of the peacekeepers, or rather, supporters of surrender. So, Girkin here states that, uh, yeah, this whole coup thing, well, apparently... Apparently, pff, means that he's getting into massive troubles after his previous issues with the with the government of Russia for the fact that they might, you know, just surrender on purpose, which would be really good, to be honest, but um, this doubt is steeping in. And one of the reasons is, you know, like I've mentioned previously on various, um, various episodes and articles, is the fact that, yeah, Wagner Group, and as Prigozhin has been found, has been financing organized crime as well. Yeah, they are once again rolling up, and they're committing new crimes back in Russia. Those are released guys, and especially those after the uprising. See, former Russian inmates who received amnesty in exchange for fighting with Wagner Group in Ukraine have started once again committing more and more new crimes back at home. Again, this comes from Verstka, the independent Russian news site which I trust. And journalists from the outlet examined public records to learn what the new criminal cases have been opened against these ex-convicts in very recent months. 
Meanwhile, the Russian authorities are doing their best to remove the offender's new charges from public records. On top of that, the fact that they received amnesty means the maximum sentences these Wagner veterans can receive are lighter than the ones repeat offenders will ordinarily get, but, you know, I've been mentioning this previously. Just to remind you, on June 13th, Vladimir Putin met with military bloggers in the Kremlin. One of the topics of discussion was the amnesty granted to former prisoners who served in Wagner Group and who have continued to break the law after returning home from Ukraine. Putin stated the men should be held accountable, quote, to the fullest extent of the law no matter what happens, and quote, adding that the recidivism rate among veterans who fought in Ukraine is only 0.4%. Later, Prigozhin said that 32,000 former prisoners have returned home after serving out contracts with Wagner Group, and that only 0.25% of them have gone on to commit new crimes. Of course, there is no exactly reliable data on how often ex-convicts returning from Ukraine go on to break the law again, but it's becoming more and more of a problem. In the spring of 2023, Multiple pardoned Wagner Group fighters who returned to Russia after fighting in Ukraine were charged with murder and pedophilia. In March, for example, according to investigators, 28-year-old Ivan Rossomachin murdered an 85-year-old woman in the Kirov region. In April, 31-year-old Demyan Kervokyan allegedly killed two children's mascot performers in the Karasnodar region. If the war in Ukraine weren't going on, both men would, would still be serving sentences in prison. Demian Kevrokran was sentenced to 18 years in 2016 for robbery and murder, and Rossomarchin was sentenced to 14 years for similar, uh, similar offenses in 2020. Another crime linked to a pardoned Wagner Group fighter occurred in Novosibirsk, where a 42-year-old man was charged with sexually abusing two children in May. His full name was, dis was not disclosed in public records. All three of the defendants were arrested. The authorities have not released any information about their cases since their arrests. On April 28th, Russian media reported on the death of a 16-year-old girl from the town of Safonovo. According to the reports, the girl died as a, as a result of a drug overdose, and a 24-year-old man was charged with providing her the substance that caused it. The outlet Redaktovka.67.ru, citing its own sources, wrote that the suspect served in Wagner Group and participated in the special military operation. Verstka determined that a district court initially ordered the man to be put on house arrest, but the Smolensk Regional Court cancelled the ruling and ordered a review of the case. The suspect is facing 15 years in prison for causing the death of a minor by inciting her to use drugs, though his relatives deny that he is guilty. According to court files, the suspect in the case is a man named Konstantin Zaikin from Yartsevo, a town in the Smolensk region. He has been convicted of drug-related offenses three times before and has sought addiction treatment for himself. Before receiving amnesty for his Wagner Group service, he was supposed to remain in prison until 2026. Instead, he was pardoned in August 2022. According to more court records, on March 30th, a pardoned, pardoned former Wagner Group fighter named Mikhail Shilayev was arrested for two months in the city of Michurinsk on charges of large-scale theft. Shilayev failed to appear at the hearing for his case on June 27th for quote-unquote unknown reasons, and there is no official information about the details of his alleged offense in local media or in official databases. Back in 2020, however, a Himki court sentenced Shilayev to seven years in prison for theft and fraud. In 2017 and 2019, he was twice convicted also for theft and fraud. Another veteran in the war in Ukraine stole 5,900 uh, sorry, 595,000 rubles 
which is about six dollars $6, in the Voronezh region. His name is unknown, but according to court records, he was previously pardoned by the Russian president. A court in Russia's Tambov region upheld the arrest of a suspect for allegedly committing, quote, armed disorderly conduct, end quote, which is punishable by up to seven years in prison. The ruling states that the suspect was previously pardoned by presidential decree, but instead of a name gives only the person's initials. According to records from a lower court in the region, the suspect is a man named Nikolai Serogin, who attacked a convenience store, store employee with a metal pipe. Other court files indicate that Seryogin was previously convicted at least three times for theft and driving under the influence. In September 2019, he was sentenced to four years in prison. In 2022, he went to Ukraine. And in May, in the Karelia region, uh, their Supreme Court refused to put Yuri Tichirin, who had previously been pardoned by presidential decree, under house arrest. According to records from a district court in the region, Tichirin has been under arrest since April on charges of causing grievous bodily harm as part of a group. He faces up to 12 years in prison. No information about the crime has appeared in local media or on the websites in the Karelia Police, the Regional Investigative Committee or the Regional Prosecutor's Office. According to public court records, Tichirin was sentenced to a total of 11 years in prison in December 2021 for committing theft on multiple occasions. Before that, Tichirin had been convicted six times, including for car theft, violence against an official, and breaking and entering. In the spring of 2021, he was convicted of causing grievous bodily harm that led to death after he beat a drinking companion to death. While many veterans of the war against Ukraine have lengthy criminal records, they can count on lenient treatment from the Russian justice system. Putin's demand that former fighters be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law is just no longer possible. When Russians are pardoned, their former convictions are wiped from their records, which means their past offenses can no longer serve as aggravating circumstances that allow for lengthier sentences. And yet, once again, we can clearly see that the militarization of the whole country has led to also the criminalization of the massive country. However, you know, this is just one of the aspects. The other one is conspiracy theories going around. And finally, well, there is also the meeting with Putin and Prigozhin. You see, on July the 10th, Vladimir Putin's spokesman Dmitry Peskov confirmed reports that the president met with Yevgeny Prigozhin and multiple Wagner Group commanders just days after the mercenary leaders' armed rebellion against the Russian Defense Ministry. Quote, Putin listened to the commander's explanations and proposed options for their future employment and combat deployment, Peskov told journalists. The commanders gave their version of events, emphasizing that they are committed supporters and soldiers of the head of the state and the supreme commander, and expressed that they are ready to continue fighting for the motherland. End quote. While the majority of war correspondents from the Kremlin, Kremlin-backed media chose not to comment on the announcement, some popular war bloggers expressed anger at the news. The appendant outlet Againstva compiled some of the most notable reactions. Of course, I'll start with our good old buddy Igor Girkin. Quote, Will photos of the 35 musicians, which is a popular nickname of Wagner Group members, making a fool of the president surface online? And, oh yeah, will Putin invite the parents and widows of the pilots killed in the Wagner Group rebellion to the Kremlin, or is that something different that we don't understand? He later likened Putin's meeting with Prigozhin to a hypothetical meeting between the president and Ukraine's Azov regiment. Military blogger Boris Rozhin, who runs the Telegram channel Colonel Kassad, said Putin's meeting with Prigozhin was like if Vladimir Lenin had met with participants of the Tambov rebellion against the Bolshevik government in 1920-1921. Quote, 
Lenin listened to the explanations of the leaders of the peasant detachments and suggested options for their further service to Soviet Russia. The peasant detachment leaders gave their version of events and emphasized that they are committed supporters and soldiers of Lenin and that they are ready to fight for the Soviet government. The meeting lasted three hours, Rozhin wrote Moking Pekov's statement. In, by the way, reality, Lenin demanded the destruction of the rebellious peasants. The Red Army used chemical weapons, among other things, to put down the revolt. Later, Rozhin moderated his message. Quote, Overall, this is routine damage control. The fact that Putin's meeting with Prigozhin came as a surprise to many people only speaks to the true value of insider negotiations regarding leadership strategy for overcoming the consequences of Prigozhin's rebellion. The pro-war channel Migrasi wrote that, quote, nobody has pissed on the heads of the so-called guards like Vladimir Putin has. The post was shared by Alexander Khodorkovsky, the Putin-appointed deputy commander of the National Guard in the Russian annexed Donetsk Republic, who added, my security efforts weren't and will not be rewarded from above, so a bone in the, fro- so a bone in the form of position and motion doesn't guide my thoughts. He later added, if I, were, am I, if I were MIG, I would replace the verb, it's the president after all. The original post was subsequently edited to read, nobody has laughed at the so-called guards like Vladimir Putin has. And the pro-Kremlin political scientist Sergei Makrov said he saw the value of Putin's meeting with Wagner Group. Quote, Having a meeting was the right thing for them to do. It's important that Putin understand the political reasons for rebellion and eliminate them. Uh, quote from me, that's not gonna happen. It's also important to confirm that the loyalty of the Wagner Group fighters, who are currently considered the best soldiers in the world, by whom, I don't know, maybe Institute for Study of War, knowing their incompetence on things, but such copium is a bit insane, lies not with Prigozhin, but with Russia, and with President Putin as a symbol of Russia. And finally, the, pro, the popular pro-war telegram channel Ryadovka published a column about the significance of the meeting, writing that rumors about the dissolution of Wagner Group were greatly exaggerated and that the mercenary group will soon set out to atone for rebellion through blood. I'm sorry for mockery, but this requires some mockery. And at the same time, finally, Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu said on Tuesday that Russia's forces in Ukraine will begin using cluster munitions in response to Washington's decision to supply the weapons to Kiev. Not that they hadn't used them before, they had a lot of times, except now there's an announcement by Shoigu, so we can rest assured that, you know, they're just going to continue doing their war crimes, just as they had before. According to Shoigu, Moscow has, quote, has abstained and continues to abstain from using the weapons against Ukraine because it understands, quote, the threat that these munitions pose to civilian population. Except this is a blatant lie, and they have used cluster munitions before, and they will continue using them, except, well, now, with more bravado. Because, obviously, we have documented evidence of them just, you know, committing insane amounts of war crimes, and disregarding any humanity whatsoever. He added that Russia has cluster munitions, quote, for all situations, end quote, and that they are much more effective than the American ones. Well, this might surprise you, my dear American listeners. Quote, the United States' supply for weapon to Ukraine will just prolong the war, he said. And, um, yeah, that's a bit of an overstatement, if you ask me, because, once again, despite all of this, despite the Girkin's conspiracy theories, and despite everything breaking, and despite massive criminalization of the Russian society, and despite all the tragic events that are happening on the front, Russian government, including the Ministry of Defense, remains gleefully ignorant of the real conditions of, well, everything, to be honest. And thankfully, well, to us, to everyone who supports Ukraine and, well, the good guys in this war, it's just another 
good news episode for us to follow. And that's it for today. I'd like to say that uh, I will be going back to Ukraine, I think, in either 22nd or the 28th. It depends on how the car gets fixed. The documents are being put in order and we're working hard on all this situation. I'm going back, so... It's just a bit of a mess because people will have to drive here from Germany and then we have to take the car and everything, but um, I'm on it. At least finally we have a proper deadline. Also, I'll be in Estonia on the 15th and of 16th of, uh, of July this month, which is just great. If you want to meet me, maybe just, you know, ping me up. Also, well, um, I have a new drone, which was sponsored to me by iFlight iFlight is an FPV drone company from China who have been, you know, accused of supporting Russia in this conflict, but they actually aren't. It's just that a bunch of their drones were purchased through third parties and then given over, and now they wanted to support me on the show, and I'm very thankful for them. They're actually pretty decent guys, and they produce Nazgul Evoke V2 F5, which is my favorite FPV drone. So in in case of whatever, if any of you are interested, then hey, go and uh, buy stuff from them. There, turns out, very nice people who responded to my emails, which is excellent. And um, also, well, if you want to support the show, please consider becoming our patron on patreon.com slash border, or just clicking the donate button on the easternborder.lv. That would be much appreciated since, you know, we're going back to Ukraine and we're finalizing all the things and, well, just getting ready to everything. It's going to be a rough, rough uh, August for me. But yeah, so far... Oh, yeah, and don't forget, if you're a patron or a donator of the show, come join our Discord, and in the 14th, we're going to be watching Death of Stalin together with my commentary. That's going to be at 23.00 or 11 p.m. Lafayette time. But yeah, до свидания, товарищи. And as always, remember, happiness is mandatory.